0: contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only they're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice today on the lab report we're going to talk to dr sheila dean
1: friend of the show genius excellent teacher i'm super excited
0: yeah and we are going to be specializing in hormones today
1: Mm. the world of medicine can be challenging clinicians and patients are always looking for more options more effective treatments and in the end more answers Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to The Lab
0: Report. So then after four minutes, I end up going and checking on her, and she's whiteboarding how to melt the spaghetti sauce.
1: Oh, my God. That is your child.
0: Science Fair, here we come. Oh, boy. Hello. Hi,
1: Michael Chapman. How are you today?
0: Doing great. How are you, Patty Devers? I'm
1: crushing it and living my best life. How is that
0: possible when you're not even here at work?
1: Hey, fun fact, we pre-record things, you know.
0: Oh, right. There's that whole thing where you can actually just <laughs> right. schedule it and record it ahead yeah, of time.
1: that's how this works. We're not doing
0: this live? No, we're not. Fascinating. Mm. But whether it's live, pre-recorded, or post-recorded, Whoa. you are here at The Lab Report, which is a podcast. It's where we talk about things like specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, functional precision medicine, and the like. And today is no exception.
1: Right. And if you are new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning Thank you so much for all of your support. Seriously. Hopefully you would have gone to iTunes or to Thank you. Spotify and do the follow, you subscribing with stuff. You those
0: ear pods right yes. in your ear. Thank you. And, you know, in between those ear pods is your brain. And if in your brain you're listening to this and you have a question that comes up, then why don't you just go ahead and send that question to podcast at gdx.net. That's our email address.
1: Yes, we love your emails. And if you're a consumer interested in ordering Genova products yourself, head on over to connect.gdx.net. But today is an exciting day, MC.
0: It is an exciting day, PD. We have <laughs> Dr. Sheila Dean on with us today. And... Um, She's always fantastic for many, many reasons. I,
1: th- I think the biggest reason is that she's a teacher, right? Yeah. So when she talks to you and answers a question, she's giving you it as if like she's helping you along and educating you, and it's just so
0: well done. Right, but not just a teacher, like a teacher of functional medicine that yes. knows all of functional medicine, right? <laughs> like, we're not get out of here with your specialty. Like, I'm just going to talk. I'm a GI person or what right. have you, not to say there's anything wrong with that. But Dr. Sheila Dean puts these things together so that functional medicine is about understanding the the complexity in systems. And so that's one of the things that makes her so great as an educator. It's like, oh, yeah, well, the hormones, (laughs) remember when I called it the hormone system? I almost did that again. (laughs) The hormone (laughs) system is is critically important, but it's also related to all these other systems, and here's why. And so she gets it, man. So good. Let's call her.
1: Let's call her up. Michael, she is back. I can't wait. By popular demand, Dr. Sheila Dean is back. And perhaps if you don't remember, we've met Dr. Dean. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Sheila Dean is a registered and licensed dietitian nutritionist board-certified integrative and functional medicine practitioner, and an exercise physiologist. So super smart. She received her undergraduate training through Rutgers University and completed graduate training with the University of Rhode Island and Brown University. Dr. Dean received doctoral training in nutritional genomics and pharmacology through the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey and completed her doctorate of science degree through Hawthorne University. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of degrees. Uh An educator at heart. She has taught for nearly 30 years as an adjunct nutrition science professor at a number of universities. She's authored several chapters in medical nutrition textbooks and was in clinical practice for 17 years. She's been featured on many local and national television shows, radio, magazines, and podcasts, including The Lab Report. Dr. Dean is the co-founder of the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy, which is an online functional nutrition training and mentorship program. Nutritional professionals, and with that, nice. welcome back, Doctor. Thank Dean. you so
0: much.
2: Oh, thanks, guys. So wonderful to hear your voices and be here with you yeah. today.
0: Yeah, yeah. so yeah. great to have you. Yeah. And last time you were here, you gave a masterclass in detoxification. Yes. I mean, we talked about all the phases, Ugh. including including phase three, right? The little-known phase three detox. Um, and we wanted to talk about hormones today. Basically, I think we're just we're going to rotate every topic we possibly can <laughs> cover with you at some point. So I, yep. I, I get comfortable is what I'm trying to say. But before we do that, I was wondering if maybe just a high level review of detox and because we're going to get into hormone detox, too. So like just maybe a little bit of a high level on your approach overall to detox and how you how you kind of teach it to people.
2: Absolutely. Well, you know, detoxification is really a foundational concept. And so when we talk about hormones, naturally, it's 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 going to be easy to uh, well, it's going to be easy to talk about hormones once we talk about detoxification. It's just a real natural pivot. So, simply put, detoxification, metabolic detoxification, biotransformation, whatever term you want to use, is essentially a process where a substance that's typically a fat-soluble toxic substance that's also referred to as a xenobiotic, and I can define that a little later, uh, have to go through a few chemical transformation steps to get converted into the water-soluble, less toxic or non-toxic substance that then gets excreted in the body. And you know, sometimes we think of it as a two-step process. We refer to that sometimes as phase one and phase two, step one and step two, which I think might be a little bit of an oversimplification, but, Anyway, in essence, that's the gist of it. And I, and going back to the term xenobiotic, I just want to make sure our listeners are clear that, you know, the, the prefix xeno, X-E-N-O, refers to anything foreign, right? So xenobiotics are chemicals or molecules that are foreign to the biologic system, right? And they can originate externally, right? So fumes, tobacco. But even things like artificial chemicals and foods, right? Medications, mm-hmm. cosmetics. But it can also originate internally, right? So like yeast overgrowth or SIBO, that stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And it can include substances which are present in much higher concentrations that are that are usual, like estrogens.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yep. fascinating. I had not even really thought about the contribution of xenobiotics from endogenous and/or commensal or pseudo-commensal organisms mm. that we cohabitate with. Like that's that was that was a fascinating <laughs> yes. little twist that you did there.
1: It, it certainly was. It's, but you know, when we're talking about hormones if you can't detoxify your hormones, this is a huge problem. So can you speak to why that is and what symptoms people might experience? Like, how would you know that I'm not detoxing, detoxifying my hormones well?
2: Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, hormones are detoxified just like any endogenous or exogenous substance that I just mentioned in the body. So nutrients for the most part, drive detoxification. And I, I want to say that again because this is so important. We talk about detoxification, but nutrients drive the process, which means that there could be an, any number of reasons why a pathway required to detoxify a hormone could be impaired, mm-hmm. right? But in essence, the root causes of why these pathways get impaired could be related to something as straightforward or obvious as poor diet, right? You're simply not getting the nutrients in your diet that you need, such as, let's think about magnesium, right? It's a really big one. I mean, the gene, um, see COMT, catecholomethyltransferase, COMT, C-O-M-T, is a magnesium-dependent enzyme, hmm. right? And it's a really, really critical gene necessary for hormone detoxification. And by the way, for those of you that are not totally clear, I sometimes use the word protein or enzyme or gene um, so not, uh, in, in, in lieu of one another. So when we're talking about proteins or essentially genes, so we go back and forth sometimes with that language, But uh, anyway, so that leads me to another reason why hormones don't properly detoxify. And that is having a SNP for COMT, right? A a genetic variation, right? So particularly if you're homozygous for that SNP and also if you have SNPs for various cytochrome P450s, right? Or glutathione genes, and that can really add insult to injury. And I'll talk about that a little later, but now layer all of that this nutritional deficiency secondary to medications right drug induced nutrient depletions drug buggers that's a big one Mm -hmm. especially here in the us right magnesium is an ultra susceptible nutrient to drugs easily easily depleted when patients are on things like loop diuretics, right? Think about furosemide or thiazide diuretics, HCTZ, right? Mm-hmm. So that's hydrochlorothiazide which is which so many people are prescribed, right? But listen, you don't actually even have to get that drastic. Even high amounts of sugar and caffeine can deplete the body's magnesium levels, right? So as I told you, magnesium is a particularly susceptible one. Uh, it's one of the single most important nutrients involved in hormone detoxification. And in terms of how that shows up, oh, gosh, that we, I, that can show up in a number of ways, uh, wh- whether it comes to energy levels, weight gain. Um, there's there's a lot of different, or um, just feeling overall malaise. Just there's a lot of ways that can show up.
1: And hmm. like, uh, like estrogen dominant symptoms too, right? Like hmm. hormonal imbalance symptoms that might tell you you're having a, a detox problem.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But that shows up in so many different ways. I feel like clinically that can show up in a lot of different ways in different peoples. And I think it also depends, Patty, on your age, your gender. Um, you, you know, but I think that the common denominator is just uh waking and fatigue. Mm. Yuck.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, and there was a couple key things that you mentioned there with respect to assisting in detoxification. You mentioned some of the genetics, and then you you mentioned how important nutrients were, which I think are both. Mm. Really interesting. So when, when you're talking about trying to really assist somebody's overall detoxification systems, when, where do you start? Do you start with looking at somebody's genetics and looking at COMT, MTHFR, you know, the cytochrome P450s, all these sort of things. Um, Or are you looking at their diet and their dietary intake? Like where do you first start to hone in? Yeah, that's a great question.
2: Gosh. All right. So can we talk,
0: yeah,
2: please? Listen, we're gonna. Let me just be honest here. You're gonna be fairly useless as a clinician to your patient if you don't run some labs. I'm just saying, <laughs> you gotta run some labs. We're okay. lab. And we agree. We're with you. We're lab. <laughs> right. So let's talk about that essential estrogens panel for a moment, because. So you need the breakdown guys if you really want to be useful you need the breakdown now I there's there's a particular panel I'm thinking about it's called the essential estrogen panel um, and I do favor the 24 hour essential uh, estrogen panel. That's the one where you collect your urine over a 24 period um, of time, which is really not that big of a deal. And I prefer that over the FMB or first morning void panel. I just think that the 24 hour um, panel is a little more accurate. So um, you really need to not just measure an estradiol, y'all. Mm-hmm. Okay for physicians out there listening. I think that's, that's a great first step, but you really need to see how the body is breaking those hormones down. So just a, for a reminder, Um, there are a variety of estrogens, but for the most part, the ones that we like to measure, uh, the estrogens are known as estrone, estradiol, estriol. A lot of people know them as those names. We're we're just going to, we're going to call them E1, E2, and E3, right? Mm -hmm. Estrone, E1, estradiol, E2, estriol, E3, right? So again, estrogen being the term that essentially refers to many different estrogen metabolites. And in this situation, we're going to focus on those three. So, um... Now, focusing just a moment on the E1, because I, I need to I need to kind of set this up to answer that really important question that you asked there. Um, there are different types of E1s or estrones, right? Let's just call them the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> okay. Love that. So we're getting a little technical here. So you've got variations of them. The 2-hydroxy E1 is considered the protective, right? The good. Mm-hmm. Whereas 16 and especially the 4-hydroxy estrones, or the bad and the ugly uh, respectively are associated with the increased risk of autoimmune disease and definitely breast and prostate cancer so a portion of e1 or estrone via that phase one that we were talking about in, in detox when i talked about that earlier mm-hmm. that phase one uh, where your cytochrome P450, t450 pathways are working that those cytochrome P450s are going to convert that E1 into, uh, or a portion of it into the so-called 2-hydroxy E1 via a pathway called the 1A1, right? The CYP1A1. Mm-hmm. A lot of you are already familiar with this. For some of you, it's it's um, fairly new. Uh, simply reviewing a steroidogenic pathway will help get give you a visual. So I would encourage anybody to kind of take a look at that. But if you order the Essential Estrogens lap, it'll be right there and <laughs> really, really helps a lot. That guide, no, really and truly, it's also an educational tool yeah. because it, the, the the panel doesn't just report numbers; it gives you an illustration so you can really understand it um, when you look at that. So, uh, so okay, so the E one another portion of that is also is converted into the so called bad. That's the 6-hydroxy E1, and then a portion of it is converted into the ugly or the potentially carcinogenic 4-hydroxy E1 via the cytochrome P4501B1. Mm-hmm. Now, tying it together, the activity of that gene I was talking about earlier, the COMT, the COMT gene, uh, that's the catechol O-methyltransferase, converts that 4-hydroxyestrone, or E1, into a nice, quiet, um, benign, methylated estrone known as the 4-meth-oxy-E1, right? That your body then can eliminate as long as there's good gut health and normal levels of that really important enzyme that I know a lot of you have heard of and that's called beta-glucuronidase. Mm-hmm. And I love the essential estrogens panel because it also gives you a ratio of the enzymatic activity, right? The ratio of the 2-hydroxy to the 16-hydroxy six, but also methylation activity. So. I know that was a long-winded answer, but to answer no, right. to just, in a nutshell, you got to order the lab. You got to order the lab. You got to start there because you need to see what is going on. You can't. This can't be a, a guessing game. Yeah. I don't. Patients will not appreciate that. You won't know what you're doing. Run the lab.
1: Yeah, and when you look at that diagram, it gives you that the phase one, the cytochrome enzymes, and then it gives you that phase two, which is to your point, the methylation, the glucuronidation, the sulfation. So you get to see that it goes through that phase two. So my question then to you becomes. So you get an essential estrogen, right? And it looks like you're you're detoxifying down the bad and the ugly pathways, yikes. Mm-hmm. You're heading down to 16-hydroxy or 4-hydroxy. What are some of the, the clinical pearls you use, the lifestyle nutritional therapies, to help push them back to the good, to push them back to that very first, to get them to the 2-hydroxy?
2: Okay, yes, this is an important one, a big one. All right, so a lot of patients are prescribed a CIRM, right? A selective estrogen receptor modular, which, uh, IE tamoxifen, mm. right? Think of, and, and those drugs will definitely block estrogen receptors in the breast and the ovaries, right? I think of them as scuba gear. Hmm. There's protection, but you still have high levels of four hydroxyestrogen circulating folks. So what do you do about this? Well, uh, one nutritional recommendation you can make right away is to recommend, okay, these are my opinions, yeah. uh, SAMe, s methionine. Why? Because it's the key methyl donor of, hello, COMT, of COMT and also magnesium, since COMT is so magnesium-dependent, mm-hmm. right? And in doing so, at least you're upregulating the activity of COMT, especially if someone's got a snip for it, with these critical, helpful nutrients, so that at least you methylate those four hydroxyestrogens, in effect, detoxifying them, right, quieting them down so that your body can then eliminate them, uh, provided you eliminate properly, right, and while I have nothing against hormone replacement therapy, in fact, I'm a fan of HRT, Mm -hmm. Um, this is why I don't recommend hormone therapy for anyone unless you first check their genetics, right, so I think that it's an important prudent step to take before uh, taking or recommending hormones, but circling back now, E1, E1 can also go in the direction of 1A1 towards that two hydroxyestrogen which remember was the protective form. And you can support that with DIM, That's diindole methane. You can support it with flax. Now I wouldn't recommend flax seed because you'd have to be a bird to get anything out of flax seed. I would recommend ground flax, okay. uh, maybe a little bit of flax oil, although conversion is not the best, but flax, ground flax, um, EPA, DHA, essential fatty acids, sulforaphane indole-3-carbonyl or i3c sometimes uh, found in um bro- uh, cruciferous vegetables broccoli sprouts these kinds of things right now also keep in mind that the 4 hydroxy needs the COMT enzyme to convert remember we said to convert to the four uh, the benign 4 methoxy e wanted but the essential amino acid, methionine, mm. helps to form S-adenosylmethionine mm-hmm. or SAM, uh, s methionine. And the methyl group from the SAM feeds the com tea. And I just mentioned, just as I just mentioned, SAM or Sammy is considered the universal methyl donor. So foods like spinach, beets, uh, shellfish, are also going to offer methyl groups that can help. And then finally, uh, the enzyme, that converts methionine into SAM is dependent on an, an enzyme called MAT-MAT-methyladenosyl transferase. Mm-hmm. And that is also potassium and magnesium dependent, right? So ATP is gonna fuel that enzyme. CoQ10 is gonna be really important to create the ATP. So those are you know, some nutrients to consider, some foods to consider uh, to optimize the pathways. Do
1: you see them change with, with those interventions? Do you see the, the pathways change?
2: Yes, and let me give you a quick example. I okay. do. I've had cases where you measure the estrogens, you see high levels of the. It's kind of scary. Four hydroxy mm-hmm. uh, E1. Right. And then you supplement with SAMe, especially that SAMe, the universal methyl donor, and then you actually see it go down, and you see the what you want, which is the four methoxy go kind of go up, or at least out of the you know, the red zone, right? So we need to shift the balance because basically you got to just think of it as this, you've got estrone, you've got it the intermediate, which is the 4-hydroxy, that's the nasty stuff, the 4-hydroxy E1, that's the carcinogenic stuff. And then I'm trying to remember the name of a woman whose um, work I, I just read, I'm, it'll come to me. Um, and then that intermediate, which is carcinogenic, will then, then needs to be quieted down. So to answer your question, yes, when you provide the nutrients to, to intervene in the phase two pathway that takes that 4-hydroxy and pushes it through to quiet it down, methylated, yes, I see that. You can see that, and that and you can, how do you know? because you got to run that essential estrogens panel mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a couple of times. You have to have a before and an after. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And you, it sounds like you try to normal.
2: Eleanor Rogan. There we go. <laughs> got it. Okay. Got it.
1: Eleanor Rogan.
0: Well, and it sounds like you like to see that working appropriately before even considering any sort of hormone replacement therapy to make sure that what you're giving is not ending up as kind of some of the nasty stuff. Am I hearing that correctly?
2: Oh, absolutely! I mean, anytime you can run a before panel to see what's going on, um, including measuring, looking at um, genes. Right. That. Mm-hmm. That's
0: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you did mention too the looking at some of the, like the cytochrome P450s, and how much do you? Because we know that you know that's going to somewhat help you understand whether somebody's more likely to make the bad guy the four hydroxy as compared to the two hydroxy how do you piece those two bits of information together the genetic information when you run that versus like the essential estrogens that's telling you what the, the actual values of those those good bad and the ugly are oh
2: that's a great question too you guys have a lot of great questions <laughs> and I think some, of that, some of that is just kind of um, you taking an individual approach with the patient, right? So, and part of it is just sort of having a protocol and you have to marry these two together. So you have your baseline protocol, but then depending on the patient's unique circumstances, you'll know which direction to pivot. Now, I will say that another really nice feature of many of Genova's panels are the Mm add-ons, right? Those add-ons, like for example, you can run the essential estrogen panel, but for a little more, you can also request an add-on for certain genes, right? The COM mm-hmm. right? The CYP1B1, right? MTHFR, MTHFR, VDR. And this is important because, well, here's the thing. If I see my patients for hydroxy E1 level is elevated, right? The bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that she is homozygous for the Conti SNP. Yeah, I need. I want to know that. Yeah. I want to know. It. That's really important. Now, it's not just about Conti. I mean, I talk a lot about Conti. I think it's a massively important player, but it's never all about just one gene, right? So there's, in fact, there's some really nice papers that talk about the, the combination of the genes that is really what makes um, the difference here. But, uh, but I. So yes, it's a combination of all of this, and then again. Um, looking at the person's unique situation, what are they eating? What medications are they taking? Right. Um, and then knowing their unique genetics in the backdrop uh, and all of that information put together, you know, in a methodical way, I do want to slip in there that I personally think you're going to get more for your money. If you run that, run the detoxogenomics panel, y'all mm-hmm. run that one if you can, because when you, you'll get to see the patient's cytochrome. people, P450s in that one as well. And I, I love seeing that because um, it helps me understand both phase one and phase two. It helps me to see a bunch of other important genes. So like I said, COMT, but also APOE, uh, the glutathione genes, I want to say mm-hmm. P1, GSTP1, GSTM1. So um, I, I, think, I think that's really important. Um, let me just slip in one other thing here. You know, um, We've been talking about COMT, and we've been talking about uh, having a genetic variation, i.e., a SNP, a single nucleotide polymorphism, for that enzyme. And that, to me, is probably the most important of all of them because COMT is what's, what needs to take the 4-hydroxy, E1, E2, and convert that into the quiet methylated form. So that, if, if there's an issue there with the COMT SNP with magnesium. Or even, or even the cytochrome P450 enzyme uh, pathway that can all lead to estrogen detoxification problems. Now you know that you can be either heterogen, uh, heterogeneous or homozygous, excuse me, heterozygous or homozygous for the SNP. And in my mind, um, I kind of look at it as uh, when you're homozygous for a SNP that's kind of like having one hand tied behind your back. Mm-hmm. You still have one hand working. So part of the job gets done. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when you have, when your homozygous for the SNP, that's kind of like you've got two hands tied behind your back. So oh, that, that to me, that's when there's potentially a problem and um, you want to know about that. And you wouldn't know about that unless you ran a genetic panel. And of course, if you combine that with the essential estrogens panel, you know, you get some really, really good information. So, um, so again, I think it's important just for, again, the, the high levels of that circulating 4 hydroxy E1, that's, we have to be careful because that can selectively influence estrogen target tissues, right guys? Like the breast, the mm-hmm. uterus, the ovaries, and increase estrogen associated cancer risk. So check, so check your patient's COMT genes, check the other genes, run the essential estrogens panel so that you know what you're working with. And if you find that the patient is homozygous for the Conti variant, I really think you have to take that seriously, right? Your tank, so to speak, is potentially flooding with high circulating levels of the 4-hydroxyestrone. Again, how do you know? Because you've got a test. And it's gonna, the thing about the test is that, again, it doesn't just give you lab values, but an actual diagram of the estrogens and the direction that they're detoxifying. And if the patient's got the financial resources to run a few more labs, um, you definitely want to check the, you want to run that organic acids panel because then you can see what specific nutrients your patient needs, but also, also the GI effects, yes. the GI effects. Because listen, that lab is gonna give you a ton of information, but the one thing I really love about that one is that it's gonna check your beta-glucuronidase levels, Mm -hmm. right? And that's a really, really important enzyme to measure since what gut microbial beta-glucuronidases reactivate estrogens, meaning if your levels of beta-glucuronidase are too high, they can actually deconjugate or uncouple conjugated hormones that were all ready to be excreted, mm-hmm. right. and then get recirculating right back into the enteropatic circulation, increasing hormone levels, making a big old mess, Right, And we don't want to waste time fooling around with modifying someone's diet without proper direction and the lab results to inform you of which specific direction you need to go in so that you're actually saving time and money by running these panels. I agree. Thank you.
1: This that is was awesome. awesome. Because <laughs> the, the other piece of this is, people don't remember that the gut is an important detoxification organ, right? So phase we're, three, right? So we're we're supporting all of phase one and phase two, but if you're not excreting and, and you're not detoxifying through your GI tract, it's really just undoing the liver's good work, in essence.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Absolutely. Yep.
0: Yeah. That's yeah.
1: it. Yeah. But that being said, so Dr. Dean. Every time you come here, we get this master class in education and the audience really responds to that. We know that you are a lifelong educator and you do co-found the IFNA, the Integrative and Functional Nutritional Nutritional Academy. What are the latest and greatest things going on over at IFNA?
2: Well, oh, so many things. (laughs) Um. The, one, the wonderful thing about the EFNA program, the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy program, is that um, this program not all, only offers you education on dietary therapies, uh, di- uh, elimination diets, therapeutic diets, dietary supplements, and also we have quite a few modules dedicated to labs. Nice. Uh, that New Genova Connect program is awesome, by the way. Awesome. Our, our students are really loving that. Great. Um, and so uh, the, the thing about that program is that not only do you get all this information, but all of it leads to an advanced practice credential, the IFNCP. And that really distinguishes the dietitian or the nutrition professional from the rest. And so, um, and there's all these wonderful opportunities that we've been able to create for our IFNCP um, practitioners. So that's That's a big plus. And, of course, we're always refining the program, updating the program. The program now has transcripts. Um, We've got all kinds of things going on, Um, access to free digital journals, the natural medicines database. So uh, head on over to ifnacademy.com and check it out. We are
1: absolutely going to link that in the show notes. So good. There's a lot going on over there. We've Mm -hmm. been to this website. There's a lot of education, a lot of (laughs) free for people to see not only, but when they join the Academy, there's also mentorships. mentorship. There's so many great things happening at IFNET and we will link to it in the show notes. And, we love when you come on the show, Dr. Dean. But before we let you go, mm. we do have one last question that I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman that yes. you may or may not remember. Yes, this is
0: called the fireball. The it's fireball. the fireball question <laughs> meant to catch you off guard. It's um, slightly off guard. This one, yeah, because okay. We're talking about hormone detoxification. And we were talking about DIM and I3C and all these wonderful cruciferous vegetables and whatnot. And my thought was, you know, hmm, there's some good cruciferous vegetables out there. There Like our broccolis and our cabbages and our cauliflowers and our Brussels and things like that. Which one's the tastiest?
2: Mm. Oh, for sure. Brussels sprouts roasted... Roasted in olive oil and a little sea salt. Yummy. We agree.
0: You get the little flaky bits that that are like, you know, they peel off. They're kind of like chips,
2: you know. And my husband, I tell you, there's something about when my husband prepares them for me, somehow they just just taste better. (laughs) (laughs) I do not know what
0: it is. Favorite love. That's what it is. <laughs> That's exactly what yes. it is.
1: That's exactly what it is. Well, Dr. Dean, yet again, amazingly helpful information, very clear for the audience. We're going to get amazing feedback, as always, whenever you come on. We can't thank you enough for your time. We're going to encourage everyone to check out If not. we're going to link to it in the show notes. And hopefully, Dr. Dean, this is just one of many more
2: appearances to come.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Heart sign. Heart <laughs> sign. Heart sign.
2: Heart sign. Okay, guys. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think that's it. I don't think we need to cover hormones anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a
1: mic drop moment right there.
0: That was enough. That was Great. hormone detoxification, solely in a stepwise fashion, all you need to know. Is there anything you would add, Patty? I mean, I wouldn't,
1: because like, like we said, Dr. Sheila Dean, she just lays it out in a very logical and easy to understand manner. And so really, just keep listening to that interview over and over and over and you're good to go.
0: Although I will say, Patty, that if we were to bring her on for every subject, mm-hmm. then I'm worried that we might just have to stop doing this show because <laughs> it's going to wrap everything up. It's you know a what really mean? good
1: point. Like,
0: how do we keep doing this thing unless we leave holes of information mm. all over the place?
1: Well, functional and precision medicine is so complex. I'm sure we'll always find
0: something to talk to Dr. Dean about. I could talk to her about how to cook Brussels all day. Let's go. Next time on The Lab Report, Defensive Driving.
1: <laughs> That's kind of a visual, isn't
0: it? I don't know. I, well, I just figured like, we're talking about health things. Like it's important to it like, stay important. healthy. It's a, is, it's, a good want, point. it's a good skill you I want, can't I mean, argue
1: this. Yeah. You've been listening to the Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Now, as it relates to your daughter on the whiteboard, I mean, anyone who knows you knows that you can't walk by an empty whiteboard without putting something on there.
0: So the fact that your daughter has carried on the trait is scaring me. I, I was even shocked myself because <laughs> I did not model that behavior to my knowledge i've never i I don't even think i've used the word hypothesize or she said hypothesize but for her to immediately go into another room and start whiteboarding all by herself unprompted see i was like wow jeans are working this
1: is what's making me think you must be doing it at home because you do it all day here
0: nope the whiteboard allele just turned itself on
1: shocking